Hi friends, my name is Eric Barnett. I'm a singer-songwriter from Charleston, South Carolina, and you're listening to Songs of the Unsung. Songs of the Unsung is a podcast where I talk to fellow singer-songwriters about their music, their influences, and what they're working on. This week, my guest is Tim Falvey, also known as Uncle Tim's Bench. Tim is a singer-songwriter originally from San Antonio, Texas, who moved to Charleston via Cincinnati, Ohio. You'll see him playing around town quite a bit, oftentimes at Waterfront Park out on his bench. Tim is a very interesting and genuine guy and is very passionate about his music and very supportive in the local scene. He's actually been very supportive of this podcast, giving me messages of encouragement behind the scenes, coming out to the showcases, doing everything he can to support local music. So enjoy my conversation with Tim Falvey. Thanks for stopping by, Tim. It's good to have you here. I'm honored to be here, brother. You were one of the first people I actually thought of when I came up with this idea of doing Songs of the Unsung, because you're one of the guys running around town that when I think original musicians, a lot of us run around doing the cover gigs to, to make a few bucks here and there or to make a complete living off of, but I don't even know how many covers I've heard you do as compared to your own songs. I'm hired to play covers, uh, as I think most of the gigging musicians around the area are hired to do. Um, I spend sometimes an hour's worth of every gig playing original material. Nice. Good. Uh, do you, you feel like sometimes I get to a place and I try to slip as many in as I can when I feel like I've earned it. You feel like you got to earn them? Not necessarily. So I was hired recently to play at Palmetto Brewing Company yeah. on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, I sent them a demo video of me playing three originals. Yeah. And I used that as the basis for me being hired. Their expectation should be based on the demo I sent them. So I ended up spending an hour and a half playing original music. Nice. Took a break and repeated my playlist okay. of original music once again. Awesome. <laughs> um, I, I don't know that I earned the opportunity <laughs> to do that or not, but I took advantage of it being my stage to yeah. share my stories. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I don't know that I'll be invited back there to play again, but <laughs> um, took a bit of a risk and maybe it'll pay off. Awesome. Yeah, I, to me, a lot of time it depends on uh, the reception of the room or if so, a lot of time you'll look into the room and see a lot of people you know. Right, right. And then I feel a little bit more able to do that. But And, and there are places here in Charleston where you can, where it's expected and appreciated. Like, have you played All in All Green at all? Yeah, about a handful yeah. of times. Yeah, yeah, that's a great spot. So the point in going there is to share your original stories. For sure. So there's no no question whatsoever. For sure. So uh, before you know, you came over, I always do a little bit of research for the podcast. Yeah, and, uh, you're quite thorough. Yeah, yeah. A, a couple good resources for folks that are interested in Tim and Uncle Tim's Bench, as his stage name is. I, I encourage you to check out Noah Grove's Groovecast. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, he was highlighted on the Fox 24 Spotlight Music Series. And also there's a good interview with him on the Cincy Local Music page. So I will put links to those. Check them out. 
And I'm going to make you check them out so I won't rehash everything that was discussed. Um, we'll go we'll go over it real quick. Like, uh, born in San Antonio, Texas. You got it. Uh, parents were in the Air Force. Both parents. So you were Air Force officers. All over the place then. Every corner of the country, every couple years. Excellent. Excellent. A um, lot of just real kind of random bits of information. I see you're wearing a, a Notre Dame sweatshirt. Went to college in Notre Dame. I sure did. Uh, at one point, a volunteer firefighter Yep, in a couple states. A couple different uh, municipalities, yeah. one in northwest Indiana and one in southwest Ohio. Right on. You you get accused by many people of being an Ohioan. <laughs> <laughs> As if that's a crime. Uh, I'm proud to have lived five years in the state of Ohio, and yeah. I'm proud to now have lived in the state of South Carolina for six. I, I, you've actually surpassed it. So, I mean, I... But you've you've lived a little bit everywhere, traveled everywhere too, um, busked everywhere: Bahamas, Bosnia, Croatia, France, Germany, Ireland, all over, man. I'll I'll offer some uh, clarification on where okay. I've busked and when I've busked. Yeah, um, I played an open mic in the Bahamas. Yeah, no, uh, rather Jamaica, open mic in the in Jamaica. Um, I did some open mics in Dublin and Paris. Cool. I did not busk in Europe. Okay. Though. Um, I do not possess a visa to work overseas. Oh, gotcha. And crossing my T's and dotting my I's. If yeah. I were to have earned income uh, working yep. overseas, yep. Um, I I wouldn't be allowed back, I don't I think. I gotcha. Um, so, right. Yep. I would have bust if I could figure out a way to uh, cross the T's and dot the I's. Sure, for sure. But I... Well, just visiting those places yeah. and... and you know, using that experience from the travel and seeing different people mm -hmm. and places. And you can definitely hear all that in your music, talking about Paris and talking. One thing that I like that you do in your songs uh, is you talk about places and it helps put people in that place, you know. Um, settings critical, yeah. uh, setting at the time of the story. Yeah. Uh, but physical setting, mental setting. Yeah, and I, I'd love to go further into what I try to incorporate in each of my pieces, in addition to geography. Yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, um, well, when you look at a picture, uh, a still shot, uh, a snapshot, yeah. um, you usually only see one, one dimension or from one one angle. You only see it through one of your five senses, mm -hmm. and you only see it through one moment. I like to pick apart instances or memories. And look at them through a kaleidoscope. Yeah. Uh, every different color you could see an image from. And every different sense that you experience a memory through. And I also like to put it in the place that the experience occurred. Awesome. Um, it's definitely, a, I definitely catch like a real stream of consciousness. I can tell that you're approaching this as a poet and the, and the music is sort of the vehicle right. that that poetry mm -hmm. rides on. Another thing that I noticed in, in one of the songs that you're going to play today and another song that, that I listened to is I like it when songs reference other songs. Oh, of course. Um, you reference Lady Gaga and Poker Face and there's another song where you reference Tom Petty and Free Fallen. I just, I like that from, from a, you know, I, I I know you're not approaching things from technique first, but I like the technique of 
of that. I, I Maybe I'm a little too technical about the way I like to break down things I like, but I like to figure out what it is those they're doing and what makes me like it. And sometimes it's inexplicable and sometimes I can go, yeah, he sang about free falling and that was, that was cool. Right. You know, it'd be an <laughs> it's a nice touch. Um, yeah. it, it, it connects other parts of your life and your memory when you're, when you're a listener yeah. uh, to the song you're hearing in the present. Yeah. And it's a nice ode to the influences who impacted you when you're writing. For sure. To give credit where it's due and to highlight that. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, you said before, like Third Eye Blind, Counting Crows, big influences of yours. I definitely catch there's like a 90s alternative vibe. Not to pigeonhole your music, because it's it's not that. It's through the it's it's through the filter of very hard on your sleeve folk e. I don't want to call it folk, but definitely that uh there's a rhythm to the way vocalists in the 90s yeah. used to kind of deliver. Like uh, the very stream of consciousness, very, I, I got Counting Crows right off the bat. And uh, I even get like a, uh, I even get a little bit of like John Popper of Blues Traveler, the way that that just kind of flows out of you. You know, it's very rhythmic as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fluid and rhythmic at yeah. the same time uh, when it comes to syllabic insertion. Yeah. Also enjoy, um, I'm a real big fan of a harmonic or a, a melodic harmonica. Cool. Um, big ups to the guys who can play the cross harp on the blues stuff. Like I, 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 I enjoy it. A lot of the time I've been places and, and folks are like, can I sit in with you on harmonica? And they would try to play cross. Right. In my particular style, what I do, it's really calling for that Neil Young harmonic or melodic harmonica. And so tell good you, to hear that. The only reason I, I don't play blues harp is because I can't figure out how to play blues oh, harp. Man, that, yeah. You have to know like it's in this key. So I need this harmonica and, <laughs> and it's like, there's one note you really got to really bend. And yeah, I, I never figured that out. <laughs> I wish I could figure out. There's some uh, crews around town that perform um, that I've been invited to play with every yeah. now and again. And their expectation is that, okay, you got a harmonica. You're going to play a blues style harmonica. Yeah, yeah. Come sit in for a few songs. I'm a fish out of water. I can't help you guys. Yeah. And it's, it's not like I, I don't dislike it at all. I love a good blues harp. Um, and it's funny to the to the average person. These are we're speaking gibberish, but right. you know, there's there's just like any instrument there is. There's many different ways to play it, and harmonica is definitely one of them. I need to. I've been trying to learn how to do that, and I get frustrated, and then I just quit. I learned sitting on my park bench, yeah, strumming a guitar, playing a harmonica in the same key as the song that I'm strumming, yeah, over and over and over and over again. You talk to your bench at uh, Waterfront Park. You got it. All right, now, Uncle Tim's bench. A lot of if you if you've made it this far and you haven't done the research, give us give us the back of the envelope blurb about where this name came from. Uncle Tim's bench is a physical park bench located at the end of the boardwalk at Waterfront Park in Charleston, South Carolina, underneath the flagpoles, uh, the same park where Pineapple Fountain can be found. Yeah. Uh, when I first moved to Charleston in 2015 working for a full-time career track job, 
I found myself compelled to sit and enjoy the ambiance of that environment from that park bench and uh, ended up bringing my guitar out and playing music there every chance I could when I wasn't working. Uh, I, I realized mathematically that if I approached busking or street performing, playing music to collect tips, uh, the same way I would an eight-hour-a-day job um, on a regular basis, hour after hour after hour, I could earn enough money to pay my bills. Yeah. And I am, I've, I've never performed in a place in the world that I feel as at home at, um, as I do at that park, particular park bench, um, nicknamed Uncle Tim's Bench, because I, I always felt that the uncles in my life were welcoming storytellers. And Uncle Tim's Bench is a tangible invitation to come hear my stories. Right on. Was it that job that brought you here from Cincinnati? It was. Uh, I'd been working for the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs in Cincinnati for okay. a couple and a half years, but found an opportunity to laterally transfer yeah. to work for the U.S. Department of State in Charleston, processing passport applications for eight hours a day. And I couldn't pass it up. My my goal, very specifically at the time, career-wise, was to travel the world, work yeah. in U.S. embassies among people who spoke dozens of different languages, and wear a shirt and tie, and make decisions that impacted people across the world. And so this was a chance to take one more step uh, towards that goal. Yeah. And and here I am now. Yeah. I left that job after a year and a half. Okay. Uh, wasn't the best fit, I'll say. And uh, I was lucky that live music performance was proving to be promising at the time I left my government job and ended up investing uh, every ounce of emotion <laughs> and effort and time into pursuing live music performance since then. When did you first start playing music? I picked up a guitar at the age of 19 wow. as a sophomore in college. Uh, I had observed the... Uh, performers at an open mic at the student union playing and having the time of their life. And I could sense in myself that I could do the same thing. It was so alive, the experience. These yeah. people were so happy. Uh, I was an athlete and an academic growing up. Music okay. was not something on my radar. It wasn't instilled in me. It wasn't given really? to me. It wasn't offered to me. Um, but once college happened, um, yeah. I realized, oh, I can experience this too. So picked up a guitar at the age of 19, played for a few years after that, uh, actively learning in college, and then set it down for a few years while uh, pursuing other life yeah. commitments. Um, and in 2013 or thereabouts, uh, caught the fever for live performance again and have hardly let go of a guitar since. When did you start writing songs? I remember crafting my first piece of poetry that was deliberately meant to be sung around the age of 20. And um, I think on and off since then, I have written poems or journaled that have been intended to be delivered through music. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. 19, a lot of people would consider that kind of sort of a late age to, to start. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you were 60 and started playing guitar, right? but I mean... How, how I don't want to say I envy the kids that, you know, got a guitar shoved in their hands <laughs> at eight years old and now have all the access to YouTube to learn everything. But 
definitely feel like I could, I'd be a little better by now. Right. <laughs> if I had, if I had some introduction, um, I don't know if I would have wanted it though. All yeah. my bandwidth as a kid was spent climbing trees and kicking soccer balls Yeah, yeah. in the summer and, and, and hitting the books during the school year. Um, yeah, I'd say 19 would be late based on what I've observed of yeah. musicians <laughs> that I spend time with. Now, I, did you have friends that were like showing you stuff or were you basically learning on your own? Learned on my own. Just, uh, found some guitar tablature websites and Excellent. found a few chords and, Excellent. um, have been playing the same six chords for <laughs> what? 17 years. You have a very unique finger style technique though. Thank you. Yeah. Um, he has this really unique way of it's, it's somewhere, it's something that lo looks like a loose flamenco roll around like the 14th fret, but as a guitar player, and if you're a guitar player hearing that it's, it's unique. It's something you don't see a whole lot. And it's definitely something that is stylistically his own and, and you've made to work with everything else that you're doing. I approached learning to finger pick a guitar the same way I thought a toddler would learn to throw a ball. Okay. And um, you've got no frame of reference, but yeah. you've seen a couple people do it, maybe yeah. your parents or your siblings. And so you pick it up and you try to throw it and it doesn't go forward. It might go backwards, but you pick it up and you try to throw it again. Yeah. And I knew that if I kept on trying just flailing fingers yeah. against the 14th or so yeah. fret yeah. of a guitar that five years from then, five years from trying to learn, I would have something down, something fluid and something effective. And it worked. Well, I've, I've noticed, I mean, there's, there's many different ways to approach anything in life and guitar, especially. And there is a, a school of thought where you get taught the exact right technique to hold each hand and do it. And that's, that produces fantastically virtuosic musicians. Right. What has always worked for me is just trying to figure out within my limitations, what, how I can make this sound, sure. how I can most accurately produce the sound that I have trapped in my head and can't <laughs> get out. And it's, it's worked for you. Um, I think you'd said before you moved to Charleston, you hadn't really played a, like an actual legit gig. No, I had my first gig at the age of 30 in Charleston, South Carolina at Elliott Borough Mini Bar. When I moved to Charleston, I wrote down three major life objectives yeah. that I was going to accomplish once I moved to my current home. One of which was to run the Boston Marathon, qualify for and run the Boston Marathon. The other was to act in a play. And the other was, uh, the two others were have my own gig uh, playing music. Yeah. Because I'd, I'd done for two or three years the open mic scene in Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay. Yep. Absolutely loved it. But yeah. I wanted to step up and yeah. play my own actual gig. And then the last was to front a full band. Okay. Well, how many How many of you knocked out? Where are you at? Uh, I've done all of them, but qualify for the Boston Marathon. Awesome. Awesome. Um, you, but still, I, you still run? Oh, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Hit, hit, uh, four and a half miles downtown today. Whew. Just to, to wake up and to loosen up before the, the big podcast. Oh, man. If you see me running, <laughs> run with me because I'm running away from something dangerous. <laughs> oh, uh, Lord. <laughs> I, was, I, looking, I was looking at uh, especially your Cincy Local Music interview. We've played so many of the same places. Isn't man. that something? Stanley's, Motor. Wild, huh? Yeah, yeah, wild. Um, yeah, isn't that, isn't that something? Um, I didn't realize how involved you had 
been in the Cincinnati music community until the last couple of months, just briefly chatting with you. Like, oh, this this guy's connected to the Queen City. Yeah, one of my best friends in the whole wide world named Matt Bauman lives, still lives in Cincinnati. And actually, uh, I'm, I'm going to have him on the podcast here in a couple, maybe a month or so. Exciting. Um, Songs of the Unsung is a name he gifted me. Uh, he used to he used to run an open mic in Cincinnati that he called Songs of the Unsung, okay. and it was sort of a sort of like the showcase we're doing. He would cool. find a couple musicians and play original music. And when I had the idea for this uh, podcast, I said, "Man, I'd like to think up some kind of name like that." Songs of the Unsung right. you had, and he's like, "Well, yeah, just take that." Cool. I was like, are you sure? So, yeah, man. So um, I'll, I'll be eager to to connect with him when he comes yeah. down to to perform for the songs of the young song. If I he can make it down, I don't know if he'll be able to make it, but I am going to have him on the podcast regardless. One thing that I definitely get from knowing you and from the interviews and from the music that I hear is you are very passionate about collaboration. You're very passionate about community you're very open seems like you've learned to say yes a lot um and also something that this is just a vibe i catch because i'm sort of this way too is i just don't like toxic masculinity it's you you're you're very in your songs you're very not afraid to touch on that sensitive side and it's sort of in a world where badassery is something that's very big and everybody wants to be a big tough man. Here is this guy with a big burly beard and long hair who's like, I'm just gonna sing about falling in love and dancing and 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 I don't give a I don't care. One thing I enjoy <laughs> while performing is watching the tough guys melt. Yeah. Well I <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Sing songs about sweetness or uh, sarcastic tunes about men in dresses at Halloween parties. Yeah. It's always, I love making the tough guys either uh, writhe or writhe in discomfort or yeah. melt in comfort. Or just say, yeah, jump in the pool, man. It's yeah, fine. Come on out. Yeah. We're having a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, who, let's talk. Who cares? Yeah. Tell me about Rhonda. Oh, Rhonda, Halloween party crush of mine. I went yeah. to a Halloween party with uh, my then girlfriend in 2017 at the home of Jacob Kendrick, a regional musician who um, whose favorite holiday of the year, as far as I know, is Halloween. So he and his now wife would traditionally, pre-COVID, put on a huge Halloween bash and deck out the entire home and um, I, I was invited by Jacob to, to come out and I brought my girlfriend and, um, prior to her arriving, um, <laughs> I, I, I took a few mental notes about this burly, hairy chested man, um, tipsy, no less yeah. in a dress. And I, I couldn't help but, um, sc- try to scratch the surface of why I was so intrigued about him. Yeah. And I was conflicted. Like I, I was in love with this beautiful gal who came to the Halloween party with me, and I was uh, confused by the attention that this <laughs> figure yeah. uh, took from me. Yeah, and so I decided that after the Halloween party to to address my 
uh, you know, difficulty in uh, managing my emotion. I would, yeah. or, or, or a thought process. I would write about it. Yeah. I do a lot of my most effective writing while sitting on an airplane, writing on the tray table. And it was actually a flight from Charlotte, North Carolina to Cincinnati, Ohio, yeah. um, maybe a week after that Halloween party where the words to what we now know as <laughs> Rhonda Rhonda yeah. uh, spilled out of my pen or pencil. And now today we have a, a fun tune uh, that's that's catchy and colorful and uh, can be comical depending on how you look at it. One thing that I really like that you've done with that as well are all the, like the t-shirts. Oh yeah. And you encourage folks, like if you get the t-shirt, snap a picture of it wherever you're at. Cause is, is it where's Rhonda? Is that what the shirt says? The, the, the shirt itself says I heart Rhonda. I heart Rhonda. But, Similar yeah. to the I heart NY yeah, yeah. shirts uh, from New York city. Yeah. But the, the, the tag that I, or, or hashtag that I would like to use to help the momentum keep going is hashtag. Where's Ron? Where's Ron? Yeah. That's what I, yeah. yeah. I really, I like that. It's not like you don't strike me as a guy who attempts to market yourself in a very technical way, but you've come across something where it's like, oh, yeah, yeah it's trendy. It's your thing, man. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Everybody's got to find their thing, and you've been finding yours. I enjoy that. Thanks, man. So, when doing research on you, I always listen to the musician's entire catalog, and I did. And it's fantastic. Starting with uh, Live from Rockwood Music Hall, 2019. Recorded November 3rd, 2019 in New York City. So, was that intended to be a live album? Did you go from the beginning, I'd like to record a live album. I got a gig at Rockwood. Or was it something where you just got a really good recording from it? And you're like, ah, what the hell? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I cold emailed Rockwood Music Hall. Yeah. And said, hey, I'm going to be in Manhattan uh, in this window of time. Wondered yeah. if you had any openings and we're looking to book a solo act with original music. And I actually heard back from him. They said, let's get you a date. Awesome. And they told me in the follow-up email that they had a house sound technician who would record everything for me if I wanted. Oh, sweet. So I said, sure, let's let's uh, capture what, what I can. And yeah. um, decided that I would chop it up into nine different tracks. Yeah master it and share it with the world. Well, it sounds great, man. Thanks, it sounds yeah. like, I mean, it sounds like you intended to going right into it. Yeah. That's what I, I wondered. Cause you know, a live album, there's two ways you can look at a live album. There's like, there's folks that do the live album where they record like three nights in a row and then they take the best of, and then they overdub. And then, and then there's folks that play a really good show that got recorded and you're like, well, hell yeah, that's a live album, isn't it? It worked. Yeah. It's great, man. It's a great introduction Sometimes I like to hear live versions, especially of yours, because a lot of glossing over can be done in a studio and your songs are very first person. They're mm -hmm. very telling a story. And I like live albums too, because you get to hear people talk a little about songs and, and the way they interact with people. So that was a... If you're looking for a really good introduction to Uncle Tim's Bench, Live from Rock, Rockwood Music Hall is a really good introduction. And not to disclaim the production, um, it is a representation of my stories and delivery Yeah. at the time it was recorded. My first release on streaming platforms was in, I think, late 2017. 
I played that song or those songs hundreds. Yeah. Literally hundreds and hundreds of times since then. Um, what you'll hear today will be a much more polished and clear-cut representation of how those songs have developed and evolved since 2017. The same goes for the Rockwood Music Hall live yeah. album. Yeah. Um, uh, some of those songs were hot off the press at the time, um, and I've played them hundreds of times <laughs> since then. I was talking with Danielle Howe, and she was talking about songs. She has like 16 albums she's done. We were talking about things she's done in the past, and you're like, have you recorded a song, and then later after playing it, couple hundred times it's a whole different thing mm-hmm. and you're like man i wish I, I wish that would have been the version that everybody knows well right? I, I think that the the truth behind my my art is it is that it's living it is evolving i, I noticed that and, I, and we'll, we'll actually get to that when we get to your latest release um after live from rockwood music hall and at the whatever you released in 2017 i couldn't find it okay. wasn't on the streaming platform, so maybe okay. I missed something in my research. What did I miss? Uh, you missed a song called Please Come West With Me. Oh, no. Oh, no, I do have that. Okay. Maybe maybe it was 2018. Yes. yes. Give no. or take a year. I don't know. Sirens I have all playing. your singles all in a list. Understood. Yes. So that's, yes. It's under the singles list. So then. the singles, Charlestown Bridge, Please yeah. Come West With Me, sung for Tala, something in French I can't pronounce. <laughs> We'll leave it at that. It's Sir- a love. It's a love song. Yeah, sirens play. A, a word that real smart people know that I can't pronounce. Not so full moon. A couple versions of Tiger Lily. A couple versions of Ronda Ronda. One last waltz. One hit wonder. Reveille. Tell me, are are there ones among those where you're like, that's that's the good representation. That's the one to start with to really get what I'm about. I think one last waltz. Yeah. Is best representative. It's a it's a uh, a one take studio recording uh with extra instrumentation yeah. and uh production uh done post recording um that very very clearly represents in in a studio form. Yeah. what you'll find live. It's not deceiving. And that's the one that Mentions Tom Petty, isn't it? That's actually Tiger Lily. Tiger Lily. Tiger Lily ah. mentions Tom Petty. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that's that's another. I mean, I remember the first time I saw you play, I was like, oh, wow, this guy's really doing something different here. He's doing this. He's doing very stream of consciousness, very much telling a story. And and I remember Ronda Ronda. I remember, I remember Tiger Lily from the first time I saw I'm you happy play, to hear like that. maybe... Two, three. The song years is ago. so special to my heart. Oh man, it's a good one. It's a good one. Um, are these? Where were you recording these? Are these kind of home productions? Are they here, there, and everywhere? Here, there, and everywhere. Uh, the first three releases: uh, "Please Come West with Me," "Sirens Play," and a, a poem for Tala were recorded by Roulette Records okay. in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, producer Mike Price, he specializes in hip-hop production. Okay. But I, I needed a studio. I needed to lay something down. Yeah. Um, I was at the point where I needed to have something tangible or audible yeah. to deliver and represent that which I do live. Yeah. 
And so, all right, I'll, I'll go anywhere. I don't care. I'll just, I just want to record something. And this is what I did. Um, those three recordings. Um, I recorded a handful of songs, I think a handful, uh, or parts of a handful of songs um, in the home of a friend of mine in Keyport, New Jersey. Mm. Kyle Wolf specializes in hip-hop production himself. And he and my cousin had a hip-hop duo that spanned maybe... I'm going to guess anywhere from four to eight years. Is that the Empire Project? That's the Empire Project. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and 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 those two cats um, are trusted, reliable, and hungry artists. And I thought it'd be cool to work with them just to lay down some poetic folk tunes. Yeah. And they captured some of my music. Um, they also redeveloped Ronda Ronda into a quintessential like hip-hop yeah. A harmonious hip-hop piece. Um, I recorded a version of One Hit Wonder with my friend and local musician Michael Duff, who uh, does a lot of... Uh, who who created a trap synth pop version of One Hit Wonder, which mm -hmm. I, I play in my folk manner and yep. my live gigs solo. Um, and there's, there's a few others out there. Um, they're all... Um, a lot of them are one take productions. Mm -hmm. Um, some of them are a little more fully produced, but here, there, and everywhere. I'm, I I haven't been um, fully invested in developing a long term relationship with one production suite or company or gotcha. or, or producer. Gotcha. I like. I'm I'm dating around. I'm dating around with both recording opportunities and with fellow musicians who I care to collaborate with over the long term. I'm always interested in uh, getting people's take on singles versus albums versus EPs, what have you. Yeah. And I know I know personally from like a musician's perspective is a lot of these things are are budgetary. Um, there's no record label paying for us to go in the right. studio and everything. So a lot of the time, uh, uh, a single may be the most economic way, or sometimes it's just, there's time related to, like I don't have a lot of time to go in and, and do a full length album. And sometimes a, a song just comes out and you're like, I got to put that out right, right now. Right. So yeah, it was uh, heretofore. I've never been ready to produce a full album. Yeah. At this point, I, I've got the material I need to make two full albums. Awesome. And I know the artists who I want to collaborate with to take something off the ground, uh, who all live in the area. Um, right now it's a matter of resources and yeah. it's a matter of getting everybody who I care to record with in the same place at the same time gotcha. as neat, as necessary to create an album. Yeah. Um, your latest release is Go Back to Ohio, <laughs> which I, I didn't know if... if when I initially saw that on Facebook, I thought maybe that was just like a direct message from you and you were like, man, go back to Ohio. We've had enough of you here. But, uh, for those of you who are not from Charleston and you don't understand just the hate towards Ohioans, there is a go back to Ohio.com. They sell bumper stickers. It seems like somebody created a direct pipeline from Ohio to here and it wasn't Tim and it wasn't me. So don't blame us. I mean, we're not driving around with Ohio State bumper stickers and wearing the sweatshirts and doing all those things. 
I knew you'd get a kick out of that, man. <laughs> I did. I did. Um, what was the t- was the title just like sort of a tongue in cheek thing or what? absolutely yeah. yeah 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 I mean I I I want to, I want there to be a mental response in people who see the title of the tune I, ideally it would have been a full like twelve song yeah. fully produced album but I don't I don't know that I don't know when that's going to happen for me yeah and so I'm just going to release a living room practice session i was sort of it sounded like recorded on a smartphone (laughs) as a as a eight song album and i decided to title it go back to ohio inspired by graffiti on the wall of the men's bathroom in giovanni's pizzeria (laughs) in the rainbow market on market street i've been i've spent countless hours over the last five or six years doing my busking act outside of Giovanni's Pizzeria and anywhere from an hour to five hours in a sitting playing music. Well, you got to use the bathroom yeah. uh, when you're when you're playing that long. So I'd go into the pizzeria and st- staring right at me while I'm using the urinal is graffiti on the wall above the <laughs> urinal. And there are probably six different places in writing above the urinal that say, go back to Ohio. I just thought it was so... <laughs> So tacky and blatant and effective at drawing a reaction. Oh yeah, um, and it and it hits home to me. I mean, I spent five years in the state of Ohio. Yeah, I would I would love to go back. I had a great experience. Oh, I go back a lot. <laughs> yeah, um, but I I think I, I care for it to have an effect on people's mind. Like, let's have a di- maybe have a dialogue about this. What's so bad about being from Ohio while living in Charleston? What's so bad about being in Charleston when you're from Ohio? <laughs> like, or let's just have fun with it. It's, and, you know, it's, it's a unique ex- perspective. I, I always kind of roll my eyes whenever I see somebody with like a bumper sticker that says native or local as if the place of your birth and the circumstances of your growing up were within your control in any way. Right. I mean, where somebody is from, doesn't make them special where somebody has visited doesn't make them special. It's where somebody has had the privilege to be born, raised, or, you know, that doesn't make anyone any better than anybody else. I do get the notion of, you know, 15 years ago, Charleston, there wasn't a lot of people here, and it was a lot more laid back, and traffic was a lot better, but I'm sorry, I I guess it was a privilege to have lived in Cincinnati, Ohio for five years. And it's a privilege to live in Charleston, South Carolina today. Yeah, absolutely. If I, if I ever move to Cincinnati, Ohio, and there's a campaign that says, go back to South Carolina, (laughs) no big deal. Like it's a great place to be. It's a great place to be from. It's a great place to go to. But I, I thought I'd have a little tongue-in-cheek fun with good. calling the album Go Back to Ohio. I enjoy it. What You know, I started listening to it not exactly knowing what it was, okay? A lot of the time, especially when a thing hits streaming, you see a cover and you get the songs. And I kind of didn't know what it was. And like this, the song starts and like you're singing and then you're like, I, th- I think I missed a thing. And then I was like, okay, okay. And then you're like, oh no, on this part, we're going to put this. And I was like, I wonder if like, maybe this is like just a guide vocal. And he was like, oh no, this is hilarious. Let's keep it. And then the more I listened, I was like, okay, I think this is like a, like a sort of a recorded rehearsal or something. 
But what I really liked about it is I thought back to like the Beatles Let It Be, where it was a document. It was a document of creativity. And to have to, everybody's notion of recorded music is it has to be this radio-friendly, polished, three minutes, make everything sound as perfect as possible, in and out thing. That's fine. But there's so much more room. There's so much bandwidth available now that to document creativity and to show having fun playing music, especially since some of these songs are songs that there are different versions available. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that I've really enjoyed about listening to your music is I don't think, and, and that maybe this is a question. Do you consider music done? Like if you, if you, do you consider one of your songs and you say, that's it. I'm not growing past that. Oh. That's the definitive version. No, quite the opposite. Yeah. It didn't seem that way. E yeah. E evolving pieces of art. Um, I hope 50 years from now when people look at my discography, they will get a taste for the development of my music. The point in, in my creating and delivering my words my poetry through music is to offer an evolving and ever developing craft or, 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 or work. I think some of the best art has to, I mean, a painting, once it's painted, you don't necessarily paint over it, I guess. Um, I love to see a painter that does. Um. Is, every, or you, if you look at it, if you compare it to painting, I mean, the, yeah. the painter can, can might not necessarily need to paint over the, the first edition, but yeah. he'll create a second edition and a third and a 50th edition, sure. maybe sure. of the same figure. Um, you don't have to destroy what was previously rendered. Yeah, it doesn't order validate to, anything. Yeah. Or it doesn't replace anything. Yeah. Uh, I saw Bob Dylan a few years ago and... Um, he had a band with him. He didn't pick up a guitar the whole night. He played piano. Wild. And there were people who were disappointed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they didn't see Bob Dylan with a guitar and a harmonica doing Mr. Tambourine Man. And my pushback to that is, they're still his songs. He's been playing these things for 60 years. He's Bob Dylan. He can do whatever he wants. And he's pretty notorious, actually, for taking a verse out or adding a verse right. or swapping this here and there. And I think more people should look at music as not a finite thing, not a thing that where once it is recorded, that's the statue that's been chiseled. It's a, it's a very malleable thing. And I know when you talk to Noah Grove, you talk that you really love collaborating and throwing different musicians in and seeing how they interpret the right. tunes. And that's such a cool way to look at things. It, it may, there, there will be a point down the road, hopefully in the very, very, very near future when I decide to commit to a set group of musicians. Yeah. I think that's, 
the, the last several years of, like I said, dating around in the yep. music scene, um, getting to know musicians, seeing who I jive with, who jives with me, who who get my material or my vision without me even needing to explain it. Um, I it's not going to come to an end the the Uncle Tim's Bench collaborative ethos by any means, but I think I it's it's time I need to tighten things up yeah. and 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 find a band. I mean, yeah, you you, you want to lock something in and put down a flag and and it's time. document yeah. that particular time in history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I dig it. But I mean from from its inception uh, on the bench itself years ago uh, through today, a major part of what I do and what I've cared to do is uh, find and meet musicians who have no reason to share time and space together yeah and then create something awesome man while we're uh talking about collaborating with musicians would you like to play us a song completely by yourself i would love to what do you got uh this tune's called coffee cup collateral and if you can imagine meeting somebody and spending time with them for the first time both you hoping that there's a another time around the corner when you'll see each other um, you could also imagine maybe sending that person home with a trinket of yours, um, holding it hostage until you see each other again, but doing so voluntarily, uh, coffee cup in the case of this piece is the collateral. Awesome, man. Let's hear it. Coffee cup collateral coming at you in B major. As a matter of fact, in waxing from the right, but our stars hung low while we counted crows and blushing at the sight of the blue gray seam on a Gemini dream that I treasured to this day. With midnight draped like a velvet cape on the hunch of Folly Bay, sundress slipping to her feet. Sun-baked back in redskin heat Sunburnt cheeks in silver sheets Sunspots burning memories of Coffee cup collateral And a curtsy in the sand Of an ebbing shore Connecting for my heartstrings in her hand Fading quotes on ransom notes And now I owe it all Trinket taking and curfew breaking and coffee cup collateral. Now I owe it all to coffee cup collateral. Twirl and ten toes curled on cracked shells under feet. A calculated bed of salty water, sweat, and springtime's rising heat. Seating a chance for one more dance under phosphorescent skies. Six new steps in riptide jets and harbor lullaby. Hi, 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 h
sundress slipping to her feet Sun-baked back in red-skin heat Sunburnt cheeks in silver sheets Sunspots burning memories of Coffee cup collateral And a curtsy in the sand Of an ebbing shore we were connecting for all my heartstrings in her hand Fading quotes on ransom notes And now I owe it all Drinking, taking, and curfew breaking, and coffee cup collateral. Now I owe it all to coffee cup collateral. Devour, nearing flower, just to steal a taste. Forget me nots next to coffee pots and ransom notes erased. Very nice, man. I like that one. I'm happy you could enjoy it. It made me kind of wonder these songs that you write that are kind of self-contained stories do you i imagine you like it when people actually know the story behind it uh do you feel that that's important for people to know the background or do you or do you think letting people interpret it for themselves is the way to go i think a grander audience left without the specific inspiration or memory um, is fine but I think in, in, in conversations like the one yeah. you and I are having or somebody asks, like, yeah, I'd be glad to tell you the, yeah. the impetus for that piece. Um, I, I draw a lot of that from both of my primary inspirations and songwriting inspirations, uh, Counting Crows and Third Eye Blind. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck they're talking about most of the time, <laughs> but right. it, is, it is both vivid and vague yeah. in one. It's uh, it's active and alive, and it is quite compelling. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm drawn in. Um, maybe they have truthful stories or memories behind their words and their pieces. I don't know. I honestly don't care to ask them. I like yeah. being. I I, I kind of like the mystery. Um, but if somebody wants to ask me, you know, what's the deal with? Tiger Lily, what's the deal with Ronda yeah. Ronda? What's what's the deal with uh, Reveille? Like, sure, I'm, I'm not hiding it from you. It's, just, <laughs> not, it's not the first foot I put forward. Sure, yeah. One of my, I used to really love uh, storytellers. VH1 storytellers okay. watching that, and I don't know, man. Maybe I just have to read into stuff too much. But sometimes I dig it. I I, I like listening to a song and at least being able to interpret something yeah, for myself. For sure. Sometimes I've heard the story behind something and said. I, I liked my version better, or I wish I didn't know that it was such a simple or dumb, <laughs> or, you know, um, something I'm also catching off of these songs are because they are so close to you and they're, they're so much from the heart that, and, and this is just my perspective because that's what I try to do with my music is, is it a little bit therapeutic? 
it's more than a little bit therapeutic. I, I do music first and foremost for healing for myself. Secondarily to offer a balm for other people if they so choose and so need to heal. Um, it is more than therapeutic. I feel that um, what art, what a lot of artists want in general is to be understood or um, at least to, to put out something that gives people the opportunity to understand you. You know what I mean? Is that, do you feel that way at all? Or is it just a, is it, is it sort of a, a mind dump or? Prior, prior to it being a mind dump or uh, a unfurling of who I am and what I am so that people could understand me, just, I think a story for the sake of being a story yeah. or a picture for the sake of being a picture is fine. Yeah. I do. Let's, um, so whether, whether or not there's a healing aspect or, um, a, a deep emotional requirement for the piece, that's, I don't think a song can stand alone as a story before it ever is, you know, an emotionally, uh, healing and, uh, or, or an emotionally healing element for somebody's life. And I'm fine with my songs being just that. However, there's a depth to them. Yeah. There, are, there are layers of imagery in the words. There are layers of illusion. There are layers of purpose and symbolism. Um, just as well as there are, are layers of intention. And like I said, for me, healing is is one of them. At the age of 19 which is when I picked up a guitar, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. I was a sophomore in college at the University of Notre Dame. And for three to four weeks of time that fall, when I should have been out cheering on the fight in Irish in the stands at Notre Dame Stadium, I was locked in a psychiatric hospital. I couldn't leave. I exhibited all of the symptoms of your token manic episode for somebody with bipolar disorder and it needed to be dealt with. Yeah. Um, music showed up to me when I was in that hospital. There were periods of comfort and there were periods of warmth and periods of stillness in the chaos and pain and fright of my hospitalization that were available to me in music. Uh, I brought my father's guitar to me or with me to the hospital. And around the same time that I was learning in college, um, again, that was the time when I was hospitalized. So, yeah. um, since then music has been, uh, music showed up. Um, like I said earlier, I, I was an athlete and an academic. I was not an artist, yeah. but my mind broke, um, because I didn't sleep because I 
um, didn't check in with myself or with yeah. my family on my emotions. And um, I became an artist because I cracked, if you will. Uh, I, um, as somebody that deals on a daily basis with a lot of anxiety, to a lesser extent, depression, mainly anxiety, um, I can attest that you could have everything going right in your life. You could be knocking it out of the park at your job, everything you're attaining. And if chemicals inside your brain decide that they're not at the right ratio, none of that matters. Um, what your body begins to do, uh, if, and I've had anxiety driven panic and manic episodes, um, there's a way you can, one method you can try is to sort of disconnect and talk yourself and state a lot of facts to yourself that, oh, I have this going on and I have this going on. But ultimately, um, ultimately facts don't matter in the middle of it to yourself. You know what I mean? And music has been a thing for me too. And a lot of the time just listening to it, a lot of the time, um, trying to write about it, but it, it can be an incredibly therapeutic thing. And there are places that you can touch lyrically that are cut down to that bone and and sometimes just getting it out is the best thing you can do there's an intention and purpose and a message and a call to action that i bring to the microphone when I perform, I'm on a microphone seven days a week. If I'm not gigging, I'm at an open mic. If I'm not in, at an open mic, I'm singing karaoke. Yeah. Um, and my music has evolved from the central purpose of me creating the sounds that make me feel good, creating the sounds that make me feel like I'm able to manage creating the sounds that make me feel. Yeah, yeah. To creating and offering the sounds that make our audiences feel. Yeah. Um, I, I, I have a high regard and expectation for any man or woman on a microphone. And I take that very, very, very seriously. Um, I'm here to help. Um, I'm here to make a difference. Uh, not just kick teeth out yeah. and and yeah. and kick footlights out, although I care very deeply to do that. Yeah. Um, I I want there to be opportunity for those who might not have a door or a window or a vehicle to make a difference in their lives. Uh, through through music, you might not become a musician by watching me play music, uh, but you might realize, hey, there's a chance 
that I could work through or work out uh, what's going on apart from this three-hour gig that Tim's performing at. Yeah. Um, and I may not say a single word to that effect while performing, yeah. but you're going to know it. There's there's a there's a, a a bigger reason for me to to do this three hour gig than a paycheck or tips or the chance to get hired again. Yeah, um, I want to help, especially that that 19 year old kid today yeah. who's locked in a psychiatric ward yeah. um, when he should be having the time of his life and was on top of the world prior to bipolar disorder happening. Music is such a, a, a powerful medium. Um, there's a lot of science behind it. There's science behind frequencies and and I went to a college for music and learned like different chordal progressions that are and you can break things down scientifically and but you can also look at it from a very guttural and and base emotional forget about the numbers a second how does this make you feel right and i can listen i can be in a room and put on a song that i know will make me burst into tears i know that there are songs out there that can make me do that. And that's such a powerful thing, man. It's, it's, and it's such a special thing. And I know as a performer, especially playing around town where people want to hear the same 15 songs that they've heard every musician running around playing, that I play to a lot of backs of heads or, or people who, you know, for no fault of their own, went to a restaurant to eat. They didn't, or to a bar to drink. They didn't go to hear me play my songs. And number one, up there playing them, I'm entertaining myself. But when you can look around a room and nobody's looking, and then you catch one pair of eyes, and you can tell that that means something to that person, I'll play to that person all night in a you know a room full of 100 people I will play to one you know and I I'm I'm sure that you feel that way too Oh yeah yeah I mean I I do have to pay rent Yeah <laughs> Yeah so it's it's nice to be invited back to play again at the place yeah. it's nice to have somebody uh say hey where's your next gig yeah. so I can bring my my friends yeah. and we can all see you play um, but the intrinsic value of connection yeah. uh, is is critical to what I do. I, I couldn't go through the process of trying to develop myself as a gigging musician, the ins and outs that that entails, yeah. if there was no connection yeah. available between me and an audience. I mean, I've, I've had gigs in town that have, and I'm not going to mention any names, where I've stood up there and I've played the songs, I've got the check, and I got rebooked, and I, I kind of didn't feel that much. But it was easy. It was easy to, oh, there was a place to park, and, you know, it was easy to get in and out of. And and you keep those gigs to, to, to pay, but sometimes there's gigs where, you know, it's they just mean a little more. 
you know? Yeah. Um, especially if you play something and somebody's like, let's hear more of your songs. Um, I, I'm interested to know how you manage people requesting music. Sure. Um, I, I have no problem with um, taking requests. Uh, chances are I don't know it. Yeah, same. But I will, I think, diplomatically um, and sincerely say, hey, I, I don't know that particular song by that particular person, but let me play you something that I wrote Yeah, that you're going to like twice as much. Yeah, man. Show them something in that lane. Just, it, hey, if you like that, that's like the least common denominator version of it. Let me go deeper. I like that. Also, I I purposely don't bring an iPad anywhere because then people just have you look up whatever they want to hear. <laughs> My set list or available repertoire for gigs has hardly evolved in doing this five years. Really? Um, I've... And that's, I think that's fine. Um, I've, I've, I've been able to eke by yeah. in the last five years with a pretty limited set list. But I, I want my mark on the world to be my music. So sure. I care for my set list to be saturated with original material. And I think that's fine at the expense of the 15 songs in the canon of the low country. Yeah cover music scene it's it's fine if yeah we we could probably if you and i were tasked to make a playlist of what gets asked for without seeing each other's we'd probably at least get five or ten Mm -hmm. to be exactly the same Mm -hmm. and you know what there are musicians running around town playing those fantastically tip them and the the best part about music is there's so many ways to do it right but you're building your stage. You said it. <laughs> you said it. When it comes to writing your own songs, are there kind of tried and true methods that you you say, I'm going to write a song now, this is how it goes? Or do you, is it sort of you're catching songs as they go by? It starts with words. Yeah. Describing images inspired by events. Okay. And it might be one phrase that I feel is catchy that captures completely the excitement and kinetic energy and passion or emotion or color of a moment. And sometimes I'll flesh that out. Mm -hmm. That will ignite uh, several other images described through vocabulary from the same event that I string together. Uh, Other times it stands alone Mm -hmm. and sometimes it stands alone for years and years and years with potential energy. Um, It always starts with vocabulary. Uh, My pieces can and will stand alone without music. Just fine. You hold them to a fire. Um, My work is a piece of poetry but I love performance so much yeah. um, that I care to, to deliver those. I love music performance so much yeah. that I care to deliver those through that vehicle. Um, melody doesn't come first for me. I, I, 
I think the easiest way for me to create an original melody is to whistle along to mm. a standard set of chords or to play harmonica yeah. to a standard set of chords. That's where that's where inventiveness comes in. Um, the inspiration for the music that pushes my words forward comes from songs that have impacted me greatly. Coffee Cup Collateral, for instance. Mm -hmm. There's a hook in the Third Eye Blind song, Bonfire, mm -hmm. brought to you by the key of A major, <laughs> um, that has impacted... I, I heard this song for the first time maybe two years ago, and I cannot shake the hook to that song. Lightning comes and lightning goes, and it's all the same to me. And then he... he he trails it on in some sort of a, a poetic whimsy. Uh -huh. um, I, I've been able to shake that hook. Um, I decided it was time to bring to life the words to what is now Coffee Cup Collateral. Uh, a couple weeks ago, two, three weeks ago. I wrote those words four and a half years ago. Okay. They were much more scattered or open-ended unstructured, uh, less palatable than what they are today. Uh, but I decided for some reason I was, I need to, I need to write a song. I need to bring something to life Yeah. and I'm going to do it now. Let me flip through a, uh, a document that I compiled four years ago that includes 80 to 90 different potential pieces of music. This was one of them. Yeah. And what I did on repeat was listen to Bonfire yeah. by Third Eye Blind and I would fast forward to or rewind to the hook. Lightning comes and lightning goes. Um, there's nothing there's there's nothing super secret about my approach. I think it's non-traditional, but what I would, I, I crafted the words that I'd written years ago yeah. in a structure that was modeled by a, an artist and a piece that knocked me upside the head. Yeah. I put my clothes on, uh, the clothes of my words on, to the model of another piece that could show them off. Right on. So that's how that tune came about, for instance. And I don't do yeah. that with all the pieces. I have, uh, going back to the Empire Project, Kyle and Nico, they've, they've created beats over the years that sat on shelves collecting dust that nobody will ever touch or use because they've created so many countless hip-hop beats. Yeah. Uh, a few years ago, I said, hey, Kyle, send me down some underappreciated beats of yours. I'm going to write some songs to them. And I didn't write songs to the beats themselves, but I uh, I created patterns of music inspired by yeah. what yeah. Kyle had sent me. Uh, Ronda Ronda came from, the music to Ronda Ronda was inspired by one of the beats Kyle had created. Mm -hmm. um, one Hit Wonder. The yeah. music to, to One Hit Wonder was inspired by a beat that um, Kyle had created just for for instance. Yeah. 
Uh, I, I the the music the melody doesn't come naturally to me, but if if the words do and they do, um, they need to partner up with at least a model for what my my music could be. Yeah, that's how that comes off the ground. Yeah, I, a lot of, a lot of people I talk to, I'm notorious about. I will write a lot of music and never get words. Okay, but. The songs that I've written the fastest are ones where the words came first. Okay, okay. It's such a weird thing. It's hard to come up with, it's hard to make words fit a structure, but it's easier to make chords fit words, I think. Interesting. Okay. I, I, I've found. Naturally for me, um, the words are alive with syllabic rhythm yeah. and cadence. Yeah. There's a there's a, a dance to them in my head. That's why I feel like it's hard to fit that cadence to music. If okay. the, if the if that comes second. That struggle and yeah. that tension to me yeah. is 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 probably the hardest pain stake about yeah. creating a song of my own. Sure. Um but you sit down and you, you wrestle with it. Yeah. You grapple with that. Um I'm now, afraid you, of the work sometimes, but do you ever do you sit down a certain amount of time each day or is it a thing where does it have to inspiration have to strike you or do you ever just sit there and try to push it? Uh, I, I'll do both. Yeah. Uh, it, it is, it is work. I use the word pain stake yeah. to, to create, um, when you're kneading dough to, <laughs> to create a loaf of bread, a uh, final product that can be consumed. Yeah. You're putting some, some, uh, toil into it. Yeah. Um, and, it, it's not going to always naturally come to me. Mm -hmm. I see the pictures in my head. Uh, I, I, I know what page of my mental dictionary to refer to, to find something to describe it mm -hmm. and, and make it come alive. Um, but I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't sit down for an hour, four hours a day to dedicate it to writing. Um, I'd rather be out interacting with human beings yeah. or performing, but when the poem comes to mind, um, I will fight. I will go toe to toe with yeah. with the set of words uh, to to latch it down into yeah. music. Once you once you have like a thing, and you're like, I can hammer this into yeah. something. Yeah, I've I've heard of a. I forget exactly where I heard it from. Somebody talked about filling the well, and the well being life experiences, or and it seems like a lot of the travel you've done, the people you met, the places you played you're filling this well. And when you're talking about like having poems and everything, you're just, you're going to the well. Oh yeah. I don't have to, yeah. I don't have to fabricate a song. Right. I just, you just go to the well. Remember yeah. <laughs> life experiences. Nice. Like they, they write themselves or, or they, they, they exist in yeah. the well. Um, I don't fabricate them. They are begotten by yeah. just unearthing them. Yeah, I you. think it's like, I, I think I was reading like Stephen King where he was just talking about like, oh, I just have to dig them up. They're, they're there. I just got to find them. Yeah. 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 I'm standing out with a butterfly net and just trying to catch it as it goes by. And I find that so bizarre when I yeah. meet musicians who, whose primary digests of original music are things they've contrived off the top of their head. Like, what? <laughs> it's, it's bizarre to me. Yeah. How did you? There's some brilliant pieces of work that have come from people I know yeah. who 
fabricated that experience. It's absolutely vivid and I don't know if I, I don't know if I have any songs that are fiction. Okay. You, and, and, and that's actually, I feel like that's something I'm lacking, is I'm unable to actually completely out of whole cloth invent this thing that I haven't lived. It's a different I'd, language. I'd like to learn that, you know? I'd like, but coming from my place of anxiety, coming from my place of severe self-doubt, self-defeatism, I always feel if I try to create something, I'm going to get called to the table. I've always avoided like in quote folk music, there's buzzwords going down to the railroad tracks and whiskey, whiskey and all these things. And I've always felt like if I haven't done these things, I'm going to get called to the table. But by, by having that in place, I think I'm also limiting myself in a way. Okay. You know what I mean? Not that, just because you write a song doesn't mean you have to perform it or play it or ever get beyond just writing something as an exercise. So I don't know. That's, that's part of me. I need to work on part of this part of doing this podcast is, uh, I'm just trying to figure out my own issues. <laughs> hey man, we all stand to benefit. Trying to catch a little bit of mojo off everybody as well. When you are writing songs, do you ever write with the thought of anybody else performing it? Like you start writing a song and you're like, oh, the, I could hear uh, Adam Doritz singing this one. Or, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> I, do I, you channel like somebody else ever? Maybe I'll offer a response with three answers. Um one, I care for every one of my pieces to be covered up and down King Street five to 10 years from now mm -hmm. here in Charleston. I want my songs to be in the canon of Charleston's cover music culture. And I care for dozens of other musicians to be, um, to, to, to want to perform yeah. my tunes as part of their, part of their cover set list. Um, I I want to be the one to make them famous. Yeah, I of do. Course, of course. But if if <laughs> uh, an if if somebody else uh, is the one to bring it to light to the world, that's that's fine, I guess. <laughs> like, if if somebody else famous makes a tune of mine famous instead yeah. of me. I, I guess I'll be okay with that. Um, Is that one of those, God bless, but God damn. Right, right. <laughs> Can you blame him for, right, yeah. for making it famous? Yeah, it was a good right. song. Yeah. But man, that was my... Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Second point. I, I imagine I am Adam Duritz of yeah. Counting Crows or Stephen Jenkins of third eye blind yeah on stage delivering these tunes if not them then the front men of each yeah. of those bands for sure because i i care very greatly for what they do they have impacted me immeasurably and they've been the models for what i do as a musician if i am a professional basketball player or a a, a high school or college athlete who wants to be an nba champion yeah 
I've got my models of excellence. Yeah. I've got my Michael Jordans um, who um, have a team surrounding them um, who are going to go to the top. And I, as an aspiring NBA Finals champion, am going to imagine like I'm taking several game-winning shots. Every kid has said three, two, one, and launched that bam, And that's... That's what it's like writing those songs. And so I, I, I by the same token, imagine uh, fronting the two bands that have shown me yeah. what a performance is. Um, and and I, and and that, that goes through my head when I'm when I'm writing, when I am workshopping my music in yeah. live setting at open mics or street performing or even at gigs. Um, when I am fronting my full band, yeah, uh, this is how it's going to look. And this is why it's going to look that way. Yep. Uh, so maybe I'll answer. Those are my two major bullets with yeah. several sub bullets to that. Sure. That question you have there. You might have already answered this question earlier, but is there a song? It doesn't have to be one, but are there songs that you can point a finger at and say, now that's the pinnacle of songwriting to me. That is a song that they came along and in that time they did the thing. I'll give you two. And I won't call them the pinnacle because they don't stand alone. Yep. Um, these are two examples among a few dozen that yep. um, established to me what a work of music is. One of them is called A Murder of One by Counting Crows. Mm -hmm. The other is called Blinded with a parenthetical title, When I See You mm -hmm. by Third Eye Blind. Um, what they do structurally, uh, but mostly what they do to awaken emotion in each of those tunes, exemplify that which I care to do in my work. Um, and the only most effective way to convey that is to just ask our listeners to go take a listen to each of those tunes. Absolutely. That's the well. Uh, or example, yeah. or model of a song that Tim Falvey has learned from. Those two pieces. Awesome. That's sitting there and learning Kareem's hook shot. There you have it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you listen to music, are you an album or singles kind of guy? I don't think I'm either. either. I don't. I don't go out of my way to uh, pick one or the other okay. method. I, I listen to a single song from. An album. Yeah. Um, I'll back up. Maybe I'll... I'm neither an album nor a singles guy. What I do is I, I for years, have listened to the same set of favorite tunes on yeah. a Spotify or Pandora playlist over and over and over again because those are the songs that nurture me. I, yeah. I don't do the homework of song listening that might be expected of a songwriter i don't yeah. Yeah. Uh, of late maybe the last couple of years I, I my ears are more in tune to to study while i'm listening uh-huh um, definitely more so in a concentrated way in the last two years of my life um but i don't think i, I approach song listening either way do you have any albums that throughout your whole life like that's been the album that you what's the album you've heard the most out of the vein yeah by third eye blind 
um, that that's the album I've listened to the most. Um, I realized, not even recently, but I've realized that there are like a, a small handful of records that I know so well that I know like every breath taken, uh, right? And and every guitar string scratch, every that, bit of it. Yeah. And and if you if you took two songs that went back to back and you took one second out in between them, I'd feel that second. Or if you shuffled that album, I couldn't do it. Because you hear the song, the song ends, the next song. I mean, I've got... Oh, yeah. I've got about... I comprehend. Yeah, I've got about four like that. Awesome. You ask about albums and examples or... Yeah. Ones that have made a difference to you. Uh, the template for what a an album is to me is Dizzy Up the Girl by Goo Goo Dolls. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of the first three CDs I ever owned. And I listened to that nonstop for two years from the age of 12 to 14. And it taught me what an album was from front to back. This is the template. Yeah. This type of song goes here. This type of song goes here. This is how they're strung together. This is how they relate or don't relate. Yeah. When you create an album of your own, that's what you do. Yeah. Create this album. It's And it's a cohesive thing. Mm -hmm. It's a thing that takes you on a journey. And it, and by the, the best albums, by the time you get to that last song, you've been through the ringer of whatever motions they were sending you on. And then by the end of it, it's just, ah, oh, they've, they've wrapped it up, you know? There's awesome. A, there's I'm glad, craft. I'm glad you feel that way. I mean, yeah. I, sometimes I talk to people and I go, I don't there's really a, there's a purpose. Yeah. yeah. But I, I mean, I, I, most every one of my tunes has been written standalone. Yeah. But there is a relationship among yeah. all of them somehow that, that will, be stitched together yeah. in the form of an album and you're going to get it. There's a saga here, guys. There are different chapters in the same book. You just have to figure out how it all, what order it goes in. Man, I'm excited to hear, you know, when you get, when you finally get that group together and you, you make your statement in terms of whatever that cohesive album is. Um, thank you so much yeah, brother. for coming along today. Um, care to leave us with one more tune? This one's called King Hurricane. All right. Queen of 
Carolina calls me King Hurricane Ashes to ashes Surrounding your trouble d -d 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 Dust to dust to dust to dust To the girls you dare not cuddle Your chicken legs are thumping me To the line of Ryan's pacing Lady Gaga singing sexy To my pup-pup-pup-poker face Call me c -c Call me c -c Call me Coconut curls and Everglade eyes Rock and roll heroes to try on for size College girls dropping out playing with fire And a foot in the mouth of an ever-eyed I'm a love up and leave you specimen right Fresh piece of candy my stick of a bite Come with you over here after tonight Cause King Street is flooding after your flight Call me, call me, yeah Call me, call me, yeah Call me It's cold in Carolina Folly white caps turn to ice Sometimes she'd rather d -d 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 Drown in Atlantic darkness Sometimes she thinks, oh lord That'd be mighty nice In the loop around Jupiter's hoops It's last call on Market Street, Lord Summon the troops Would you put on a little tap dance Diverting from the truth You, you, you could be my alley cats Or I could be your oops All right. Very good, man. Thanks, brother. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Tim Falvey, a.k.a. Uncle Tim's Bench. I'll have all the links to his music in the show notes, so be sure to check that out. Also, if you haven't liked Songs of the Unsung on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. Um, every artist says that he can get by without validation, but it always helps getting those clicks. 
So for the next couple weeks, I'm actually going to be out of town, but I have a few podcasts that I've done that hopefully I'll have edited and dropped and ready to go so it won't seem like I'm on a big road trip. As a bit of a spoiler alert in the upcoming weeks, look forward to hearing from Holland Bell Hills, Colleen Loy, and Ron Daniel. And also, I never really talk about my own music, so go to ericbarnettmusic.com if you're curious in what I do. We'll see you next time. Thank you.